Welcome to the Commentary Magazine Daily Podcast. Today is Tuesday, August 2nd, 2022. I am John Podhoritz, the editor of Commentary Magazine. With me, as always, executive editor Abe Greenwald. Hi, Abe. Hi, John. And associate editor and author of The Rise of the New Puritans, Noah Rothman. Hi, Noah. Hi, John. Christine Rosen is out today, so it's just the three of us. Um, and we have primaries tonight in Missouri, Arizona, Washington State. And uh, the media want you to focus on the absolute goat rodeo that is Arizona. And there's every reason to be concerned with Arizona because uh, you have a gubernatorial candidate in Carrie Lake who is... I'm not sure it would be fair to call her clinically insane because she might just be um, absolutely mock in a Machiavellian sense playing insane, but um, uh, she's as, as, as bad as they come when it comes to uh, out trumping Trump uh, on, on, on every issue, having herself been an uh, Obama voter. And I think even a, a Hillary Clinton voter as late as 2016, um, Blake masters, the senatorial candidate uh, works for Peter Thiel, the uh, supporter of many uh, alt-right causes and uh, uh, has a, by my lights, an <laughs> extremely distressing set of issues that he's running on. He is almost certain to win. Uh, but I wonder if we are, uh, by, you know, focusing on Arizona and then talking about all the MAGA candidates and how they're doing and all of that, if we're not just sort of playing into the hands of uh, the effort to change the narrative story of 2022 from um, the absolutely horrific political circumstances that Biden and the Democrats find themselves in, um, and and that we're we're participating in that. I will say this, which is I don't think it matters uh, if the atmosphere is a, an environment are as bad for Democrats as I think they are. We and the media and MSNBC and you know the never Trumpers and I can talk from now until November about the danger that Republicans pose to our democracy and the threat. And Biden's really charging ahead. He killed Zawahiri yesterday and. And and we have, uh, you know, the bill coming for the mansion and all of that. And he's really given them a new lease on life and, and, and everything. And the fact is that you just go down the list of issues that people care about from, um, you know, inflation uh, on downward and the and the right track, wrong track number, which is as high as it's almost ever been in American history, somewhere in the 80s. And Biden's approval rating at 38.6. And you say, there's no, there's no escaping uh, the bill that's coming due for Democrats. So Noah, wh where do you? I mean, you can walk and chew gum at the same time. You can talk about the bad Republican candidates and talk about how that's not really going to matter that much in November, I suppose. But are we, in some sense, um, you know, almost unconsciously capitulating to this desperate effort by 
Democrats and, and liberals to whistle past the graveyard that they are about to be buried in? No, I don't think so at all. Uh, I totally disagree with that. Um, I think that you can have, definitely in a wave environment, you'll have candidates who shouldn't occupy high, high office winning. Herschel Walker comes to mind. I think he's probably the polling. It doesn't suggest that he's doing very well right now, but I think the environment might carry him over the threshold. And Arizona is a very different story. Uh, Arizona has two Democratic senators. Um, Arizona used to be a very safe Republican state. 10 years ago. It is no longer. Um, the What National Review called its rough-hewn populism uh, has a tendency to elevate uh, these sort of candidates who offend the sensibilities of uh, feet, um, conservatives and liberals on the coasts, for example. Um, but this state has been trending in a purple direction, and it's in part because the Arizona GOP sets itself on fire on a semi-regular basis. Carrie Lake is a bad candidate. Carrie Lake has made her entire appeal rest on the idea that 2020 was a stolen election. That is her pitch to voters. She's going to try to pivot in the general election. I don't think she can, given the amount of time she has spent harping on this issue and imbuing in her constituents a conspiratorial paranoia that is entirely unhealthy. Blake Masters spent a lot of time as a, a young man writing for a, a, a Lou Rockwell style libertarian publication. Uh, that regards the United States as the utmost evil in the world. He said that in 2006, that the U.S. had not fought a, uh, a just war in 140 years, namely the Civil War. Every war, every war thereafter was unjust uh, in his mind. Um, he has favorably quoted Nazis um, without addressing that. I mean, he's never talked about why he favorably quoted Hermann Goering, uh, for example, and other anti-Semitic authors. And this is in line with the kind of populism that Peter Thiel, um, Thiel rather, uh, advocates, uh, which I think is, is very unhealthy, uh, paranoid, and ultimately un-American, frankly. Uh, and yeah, these two candidates are likely to emerge victorious, and I think they're going to throw away some winnable races for the Republican Party in Arizona. And Arizona generally, it's just going to further cement its drift towards the Democratic column. Totally unforced errors on the part of the GOP. Right. But let's again, Abe. Let, let let's let's broaden out the picture because we have some interesting things going on. For example, in Missouri, we have this absolutely horrific uh, candidate um, for uh, uh, Senate, uh, Buzz Greitens, who was the governor of the state until he was uh, forced out uh, in an adultery and bribe and blackmail scandal uh, that involved him bribing and blackmailing, trying to bribe and then alternately blackmailing his own mistress uh, with whom he had rough sex. And now he's back and we have the uh, absolutely astonishing development yesterday that he running as the most MAGA of MAGA candidates and saying that he sort of wants to shoot people who disagree with him, um, uh, former Navy SEAL, um, uh, is up against uh, the attorney general of the state. I think I'm not quite sure. Eric Schmidt. Um, he's uh, he's uh, he's got some position in state government, uh, and um, uh, Sch Schmidt is now leading in the polls. And Trump announced yesterday that he was endorsing who? Eric. Because Greitens' first name is Eric, and Schmidt's first name is Eric. So Trump said, "Eric is our candidate." And they both uh, thanked him. It's the funniest. It is easily the funniest thing that Trump has ever done. Not since Sharpie Gate. This is this is the, yeah. the funniest yeah. thing he's done since his terror of being wrong. 
yeah. uh, has led him into a couple cul-de-sacs before, but this is as good as Sharpie Gate. I mean, th- this has a Bugs Bunny quality to it. Like, I-, I mean, you know, the way that Bugs Bunny kind of, you know, always comes up with some bizarre, uh, you know, wacky way to to sort of get himself out of a, a out of a bad trap. Um, and and it's knowing. I- I'm pretty sure it's knowing. Therefore, uh, you got to give him credit for. Uh, you know, if he's setting a match to American democracy and to our democratic norms, um, uh, this is the most amusing one ever uh, endorsing Eric. Um, uh, but, you know, it, it'll mean something if Schmidt beats Greitens, because I think that part of the idea here is that uh, it is not a bug for Greitens supporters, but a feature that he is engaging in lurid you know uh, violently porn you know sort of the kind of porn of violence as his as his uh, approach to trying to secure support and 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 win and win office um this is what they like this is the id this is the stuff that when the tide rolled out that we saw you know uh, under the water really in 2015 and 2016 and this is the way he is trying to fight his way back into power um abe you are yeah i when what no you describe um these candidates and and um their potential to throw away uh states and races uh, in a general election as an unforced error on the gop's part but i don't know that that's the right uh framing for it i mean i i agree with you entirely about the the un, the un-american nature of it all and the danger um, to conservatism and, and to the Republican general. But if these are the candidates who are getting support, I mean, maybe not in some cases, and we hope, uh, like in the case that John just outlined, but um, if, if, if anti-American conspiracy theorizing candidates are getting support, that's from, from the GOP or, or from, from Republican voters in these places, that's the bigger issue. It's not. It's not a tactically. It's not a tactical unforced error. It's. It's. It's a problem with the sort of mood and ideas in the base. Well, look, this is an important point because what, what we what we don't really understand about the issue set that somebody like Blake Masters is toying with because he's part of an intellectual crew. He is. He. He is a sort of. Uh, uh, NatCon, he now said he was once a libertarian, but now he believes in using government power to do good things. And, 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 but he still maintains his line that, you know, almost all American uh, military intervention is unjust. Um, he is a, he is an active player, maybe the most next to JD Vance, who remains a slightly more complicated candidate ideologically, um, you know, the most vivid expression of this growing philosophy you know uh, emerging from 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 the right that uh that we very much we will we hope is marginal and uh the question is when the dust settles after the election in 2022 will it still be marginal or will it have been demonstrated to have real populist voter strength behind it Right now, we have no reason to think that it is anything but marginal. 
Masters being propped up by hedge fund money, that's the only reason he's going to win is that, you know, he's spent an ungodly amount of, of Peter Thiel's and his own money uh, sort of like dominating this race. But that doesn't mean he can do it in, in November. Noah, where are you on this? Well, yeah, I, I mean, it doesn't really matter because Abe's right. Like, this is where the where certain elements that are ascendant within the GOP, that's where their base is. Um, and I'm going to bring an element uh, of speculation to this and introduce the topic of the day, which is the killing of uh, Ayman al-Zawahiri. Al-Qaeda is number two. Uh, there's a lot to say about that, where he was killed, why he was killed, how it happened, what the Taliban's complicity is, uh, and whether or not over the horizon is a legitimate strategy that has some heft to it. Um, all that's worth talking about. But the news broke last night, and I'm at my house with a couple of friends, all of whom are patriots, red-blooded conservatives, uh, and I'm in a celebratory mood because we've neutralized al-Qaeda's num number one, former number two, uh, and it's a long time coming, and it was a, a, a virtuous strike on the part of, uh, of the U.S. military and Joe Biden. Everybody deserves credit for it and couldn't have fell flatter. Nobody cared. I'm the only one here tipping a glass to the death of Ayman al-Zawahiri. And my suspicion is that it's not because 9-11 was a long time ago. My suspicion is not that it has uh, anything to do with uh, you know, their distaste for al-Qaeda. It's just the fact that Democrats did it. And they hate Democrats more than they hate Al-Qaeda. I really think that's the truth. And it's sickening. I'm, I'm, uh, really, I'm, I'm really, really sorry to hear that. But I, and I wasn't there. And I'm not going to judge your interpretation of the experience that you had. But I, I, I think that it is very hard for the United States to take a victory lap in the war in Afghanistan and against Al-Qaeda after last year. And I think you'll see that in the polling and the way people react to this. That's a very charitable interpretation. I hope you're right, but I don't think well, it is. I, 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 I don't I think, think it, I don't think it may not be it, what I'm saying may not be true of your friends. I'm not just talking because about of the, the country as a whole. I'm just bringing this to the table because of the Blake Masters thing. Um, okay. Blake Masters interpretation of America as a force for evil when he was a younger man, whether he believes that or not now, he hasn't denied it. Um, I think that's a, a view that is ascendant on the right. I don't think they love this country as much as they used to. I, look, I believe that, but I, I, I have to say I'm, I'm, I'm obliged now not to do whataboutism because I think it is noble, uh, you know, that you are, you know, you are looking essentially at, you know, your own set of, uh, you know, things you want and people who largely agree with you and finding fault with them. And that's a hard thing to do. And so I don't want to, poo poo it but um this always happens uh i mean i think it happened when when bin laden i think there were many republicans who were distressed that obama got the win when bin laden was killed and similarly i think there were there there were democrats who looked at advances or victories during the war on terror and during bush and thought this is terrible because it's going to hurt us politically um and uh, or or sort of it, it, therefore uh th this is a more maybe like naked version of it or maybe people are sort of admitting it in a way that they didn't used to where they would be more pious about it but i but abe 
tell me tell me what you think of my char uh, my charitable theory about Noah's friends or in general, which is that Biden came out and he said, no matter where we are, we'll find you, we'll get you, we'll all that da da da. da. We 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 did a drone strike uh, in a country that we withdrew from last year. Now you can say, okay, that proves Biden's point. We didn't need to be in Afghanistan to get Al Qaeda anymore. We got Al Qaeda through a drone strike across the border, and there we are, and we did it, and we got the you know our our leading target since the death of Bin Laden, and yay us, right? But on the other hand, he said we were getting out of Afghanistan. He pulled all our troops out of Afghanistan. We had these horrible images of the nightmare at the airfield. We know that there are hundreds of Americans still stranded in Afghanistan. I don't know that he gets to take a victory lap. Oh, well, I think he gets both. I'm, I'm, I mean, he look, gets I, it. I'm with, I'm just, yeah, I'm with Noah entirely on the celebration here. And I'm, I'm happy to give uh, Joe Biden and everyone involved credit for this successful and, and just strike. At the same time, it simply has to be said that when Biden pulled out of pulled the U.S. forces out of Afghanistan and that disastrous pullout that resulted in multiple U.S. deaths, civilian deaths in Afghanistan, um, one of his points was that we're, there's no point in being there anymore because Al Qaeda is not there. Uh, you know what? 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 Are, what's? What's? What do we have to? What do we have to? We we went there to to get Al Qaeda, um, and Al Qaeda is no longer a concern of ours there. So let's get out. And to some extent, he was right because Zawahiri wasn't in Kabul until after we left. Um, our leaving made it safe for him. This 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 is a fact. Both things are true. I'm glad. I'm glad he took the strike. I'm glad it was successful. Uh, he deserves whatever accolades come his way for it. But I think in the long term, the fact that Zawahiri was there says we could be facing um, some future potentially really bad news about a renewed al-Qaeda presence in Afghanistan as a result of our having withdrawn. Look, it's very important, not only for history, but for the general understanding of the United States in the mind of terrorists in the 21st century that you can run but you can't hide it could be 20 years later you are going to get a drone up your ass so you want to start you want to find a good hidey hole you know from here on till till the 22nd century you go right ahead buddy we aren't going to stop until you're in the ground. He wasn't in, a, is, in a hiding hole, though. No, he, wasn't, he was in a very know, wealthy yeah. area about a couple of blocks yeah. away from what used to be the American embassy. Yeah. And in a, but you know what I'm saying? He spent 20 years hiding. And then we killed him. And it's like, sorry, uh, there is no statute of limitations here. Uh, you could have been 90 years old. We would have droned you. I'm saying as a deterrent measure me message, for the planet and for our interests and for our people and for everyone that uh, Ayman al-Zarahiri killed, had killed, not only in the United States, but, uh, you know, in the world and everybody who died as a result of the 9-11 strikes because we were obliged to go and do what we had to do. Um, this is a very important message. And if I'm, the I'm a little less sanguine. I'm a little less sanguine about it because he came out of hiding and was living in a wealthy suburb in the capital of uh, Afghanistan under presumably under the protection of the Taliban. Who knows how many other 
terrorists they're protecting in no, a but similar no, fashion. You're, I, I'm sorry, you're missing my larger point. My larger point is the message is it's almost it's 21 years after 9-11 and the United States killed Zawahiri anyway. We didn't forget. We didn't stop. We didn't go away. If you are the kind of person who is going to do this, you are going to be dead. We are going to get you the entire, the resources of the United States will be dedicated to getting you and we don't care how long it takes. That's the, that's the Ur message of this strike. But it's what if the just... Taliban as a governmental entity is uh, complicit in another attack? Will we well, develop that's why the resources we should... necessary to oust the Taliban from power again? No, you're... Uh... Honestly, you're 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 making it you're making an entirely different point from the point I'm making. I'm talking about the psychology of the individual terrorist who wishes to join a movement to strike the United States. The message of the killing of bin Laden, the killing of Zawahiri, the killing of al Zarqawi, all of those things is you are not going to survive this. It could take a year, it could take 10 years, it could take 20 years. You, the per why are you making a well, face because, no, I just I'm saying something that's absolutely obvious. Yeah, but this is a suicide cult. Death is not it's a not deterrent. A, if it were a suicide cult, they would have committed goddamn suicide. Well, that's it's what not they did on 9-11. It's not a suicide cult. They, they are not, they get people, they pump them full of drugs and they make them commit suicide. I mean, I'm just saying like, you're. I, I, I hate to get sort of agitated, but what I'm saying is that the virtue of this isn't that we're just taking revenge or you know, we're, we're causing retribution after the fact about 9-11. We are saying something important about American stick-to-itiveness that is even more important maybe because of the fact that we pulled out of Afghanistan. Whatever the circumstances were, however we got, Zaka, however we got Zawahiri, who, whom we paid off, who tipped us off that he was there, all of that, it doesn't matter. That's, that's all I'm saying. And let, let me move on for a second to talk to you about our friends at the Good Faith Effort podcast hosted by Rabbi Ari Lam. You know, the Bible has played a pretty important role in American society from the founding era until today, from our politics to our pop culture. But have you ever wondered exactly how? That's where the Good Faith Effort podcast comes in. Hosted by Ari Lam, Good Faith Effort brings in incredible new guests each week from the world of politics, history, music, movies, faith, even venture capital to host the kind of conversations you literally will not hear anywhere else. Want to hear a story and explain how the Talmud played a decisive role in political philosophy during the English Civil War? That's where you turn. Or a legendary hip-hop exec talk about how Abraham in the book of Genesis helps him see the work of Arun DMC, of all things, in a new light. Or uh, one of the world's leading tech investors explain how the prophet Isaiah informs her work with startup founders. All we can say is subscribe to the Good Faith Effort podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get podcasts and listen in to the inspirational, fun, crazy conversations about the Bible's surprising role in Western society you won't hear anywhere else. I'm, I'm racing forward here because uh, I, I have a battery problem on my computer and I don't know when we're going to have to, I'm, I'm going to go dead and no one and Abe are going to have to bring this bring this to a close. I want to talk about Washington State because there's a primary in Washington State tonight. There's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of uh, uh, mail-in voting and stuff like that. So I don't even know if we'll get a result uh, precisely, but it's an important primary um, in, in two ways. Number one, uh, it, it appears that uh, uh, Tiffany Smiley, uh, the Republican senatorial candidate, uh, is probably going to prevail and be the nominee against 
uh, Patty Murray running for her sixth term. And Tiffany Smiley is someone to watch. This is a state that Republicans shouldn't really have a chance in. But on the other hand, they didn't look like they had a chance in New Jersey in 2021. And the uh, governor of New Jersey, Phil Murphy, was up 16 points in the polls and lost by three. Washington state's polling shows some kind of a generic margin of that 15 points for Democrats over Republicans in Washington state as of two weeks ago. Uh, if there is a wave, if there is a tsunami, if there is a if there is a national trend toward Republicans and against Democrats, Tiffany Smiley is one of the people who is going to benefit from that, either with an unexpectedly strong showing that just brings her up a little short or uh, a surprising win. So watch for Tiffany Smiley. There is also a uh, MAGA race there in which uh, Trump endorsed uh, a candidate named uh, um, Kent, uh, who is running against uh, Jamie Harrell Butler, who voted for impeachment, a Republican who voted for impeachment. Um, that's an important race because uh, this guy, uh, Kent, is, a, is, 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 is deranged. Uh, tragic story. His wife was, he, he's a, he's a, He's a veteran of many wars, and his wife was killed in an ISIS bombing, and that's a terrible, terrible thing. Trump encouraged him to run for office, but but he's a nut, and he's got nuts working for him. And if he unseats uh, Herrera Butler, that will be a that will be a uh, one of those bad signs that Noah is talking about here nationally. Um, uh, so I just wanted to get 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 that in. Um, what else is there to? What else is there to discuss? Is Michigan. Michigan's also uh, having a primary uh, tomorrow night. And I've tried to right. find out why Tudor Dixon, who's the Trump-endorsed candidate there, um, is likely going to be the gubernatorial nominee to face Gretchen Whitmer, who is one of the most embattled and uh, and likely vulnerable governors in the state and or in the country. And uh, she, she's been tarred as, uh, as a bad candidate. And I don't know why, frankly. Does anybody else know why? I've done only cursory research into her. I don't I don't entirely know why. This is one of these states in which Democrats have been making mischief in the Republican primaries and and doing making legal challenge, doing all sorts of things to Republican candidates for office that made the race more extreme uh, as they as they would wish it wish it to do. Um, She's uh, she's bad because she's uh, she's Trump endorsed. That's why she's bad. And she's bad, uh, you know, because maybe she questions the results of the election of 2020. I don't know. I do think it's very interesting that Gretchen Whitmer is in so much trouble when the great mentioner, uh, when people talk about what might happen if Joe Biden, uh, you know, uh, doesn't run for office again. She is in the top three or four uh, in the Washington Whispering Corps list of people who really could be the Democratic nominee and uh, I don't understand how somebody who is um, who is unpopular uh, or is, you know, showing real signs of weakness in a state that Biden won by 150,000 votes, why that says, oh, my God, she would be really great <laughs> nationally. Um, and again, I don't know if, if if the race in 2024 will hinge in any way, shape or form on the behavior of people during the pandemic. I hope it does, but it may not. Um, but Gretchen Whitmer has a terrible story about the pandemic. I mean, we all know, you know, she was one of those people who told everybody to lock down and then went on vacation and she wouldn't let seed stores sell seeds, but, but Walmart, you know, but 
but you know Lowe's could sell seeds and stuff like that. I mean, it, it's a it's a bad story. She's a she's an, to me from the outside, she's an odd political figure. She has she she makes odd facial expressions. She has, I'm sorry to say, I have to say, bad plastic surgery that makes her a little hard to look at, uh, even though she's very attractive nominally, and um, and and she speaks oddly. So I don't understand why people like her. They like her because they want a Rust Belt Democrat. They think that's great, right? Because then the Rust Belt Democrat can speak to other Rust Belt people and pull them, you know, forward. Um, but I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Um, all right. Well, uh, my battery is about to go dead. So I think that maybe we will, and there are only three of us. So even though we've, we've gone on way shorter than we ordinarily do, we don't have that much more to talk about anyway. Uh, you know, rest in hell. I'm an Al-Zawahiri and, uh, you know, I hope that, uh, I hope you enjoy uh, burning forever and eternity alongside your colleagues. Um, and we'll be back tomorrow. So for Abe and Noah and the Abs and Christine, I'm John Podhoritz. Keep the candle burning. Mm -hmm.